Wow, I have to do this again. Wow, I cannot do it. Why can't I do it? Oh no, how does it work? I can't do it. Hey, welcome to the adventure of a lifetime. Did you know that you have a God who knows how to play the Vuvuzela and cheers you on? Did you know that you had people running for centuries and centuries, generations and generations, the heroes of our faith, who know how to play the Vuvuzela and cheer us on for our own race? In this message series, we will find out what that means, and I'll come back to that picture later. But I have to tell you, my kids, they love stories. My kids love stories. About two years ago, back in the days when my three kids were sharing one room, um, every night when I brought them to bed, um, I was telling them stories. And it always went like that, you know. It, um, it always started, Daddy, can you tell us a story again? I said, of course I can. What do you want? And all three of them had the opportunity to choose three items or people or animals or whatever. And out of these nine items, people, um, animals or whatever, I just invented a story. So, for example, my oldest daughter, Eowyn, says, Daddy, I want to have a princess, a pony, and a horse. And uh, Levin, my middle one, says, I want to have a T-Rex, a tiger, and a turtle. And then my smallest one, he just started speaking, he says, I want to have a T-Rex, a, a tiger, and a turtle. Because he was doing the same thing then in the middle. So I stated, once upon a time, there was a princess, a horsey, a pony, and a T-Rex, and a tiger, and a turtle, and another T-Rex, and another tiger, and another turtle. And then I shared my story, and at the end I said, the end. And then Eowyn came, Daddy, can I also share a story? What do you want? And then she started telling a story, and then Levin shared a story, and then Keanu mumbled a story, like, mom, 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 tiger, tiger, turtle, whatever, you know? <laughs> and at the end, he said, the end. My kids love stories. I have to admit, maybe they have that from me, because I love stories as well. I'm a big fan, for example, of the Lord of the Rings, you know? That's where I got my inspiration for my daughter's name, Eowyn. Lord of the Rings, the book sold out, sold Every, the book with a thousand pages sold over more than 150 million times. The movies were the biggest success story. They brought every movie, every part of the three Lord of the Ring uh, movies brought in more than a billion dollar. Star Wars, um, Narnia, all these epic movies bring in so much money because people are diving in and merging into that story. Right now, there are so many series on TV as well. You know, maybe you cannot deal with dwarves and sorcerers. Maybe that's not your style, but maybe you like Games of Thrones or Breaking Bad or uh, Walking Dead or whatever, is, whatever you like, you know. We love stories. We just love them. And I think we love them so much because something inside of us wants to step into those stories. Even when we are saying, what did you do at the weekend? I was just chilling, you know, I was just hanging out, you know, hanging. And if you ask, what did you do while you were hanging? I was watching this and that movie. 
or I was playing a great game on my computer, diving into a story, right? We love stories because something in us wants to be part of a bigger story. And I want to start this message, message series called Adventure um, with this little thought. Maybe we like those stories because God put that into our DNA. Maybe because God is an adventurer by himself and he loves stories as well. Maybe because of that reason we love stories. And my prayer is, during this message series, the next three weeks, I would love to paint a picture and give us the, the broader perspective of what it means that actually we are called into a huge, breathtaking adventure of our lives. Could it be that God wired us for a bigger story? Could it be that God created us for an adventure? Could that be? I mean, when we open up the Bible, the very first pages, the first chapter of the Bible, it already starts like that. It starts in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And he's calling with his powerful word the whole universe into existence. Let there be light, and boom, there was light. Let there be uh, the earth, and boom, there was the earth. And then the, the story um, switches a little bit, and he has a different approach when he created us. He said in Genesis 1, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. So God made us into the, his own image. We are a counterpart of God. So there's a God who actually wants to be in touch with us. And he created us in the image of himself. We are the counterpart of God. How cool is that? And then if you flip a couple of pages and you dive into the next chapter, Genesis 2, he is, uh, the writer of Genesis takes exactly the same story. It is called the second creation um, report, basically. But it's a different approach. It gets a little bit more intimate. And, and I love that. It, it basically zooms in a little bit. It, it's the ultra-high-definition version of what I just read to you. It says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground. And that is so fascinating because in the chapter before, God spoke and it happened. It was kind of distance, right? It was the all-powerful God spoke one word and it happened. But now what he's doing is he's kneeling down and he's forming something out of dust. And he is creating and forming out of dust mankind in his own image. And then... He is um, looking into this form of dust face to face. And then it says, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. <sighs> the breath of life. How cool is that? I mean, theologians are on common ground that this picture is basically when he is kneeling down and this is a picture of a potter doing his handwork, doing his handcraft. He is forming us 
So this is very, something very intimate, very personal. He is looking into the eyes of his creation. And what is the first thing human, a human being, the first human being on earth sees when the breath of life is coming into his nostrils? He's opened up his eyes and he sees his creator face to face. That is the beginning of a story. That is the beginning of an amazing story. So it's not like being pre-programmed and you just put a nice DVD in. God has already did everything and now he's putting the DVD in, you know, and then he's watching a little bit what is about to happen. No, God is taking risks. Later on he says he is collecting all the animals and then he's uh, taking Adam and Eve uh, together and they have a, a little family session and then he says, you name now, let me see which names you are giving these animals. That gives me the impression that there is a God who is not watching a DVD where everything is already clear, but he is giving us the opportunity to write a story, to give out names, right? So cool, so amazing, a real story. Could that be? I mean, I really want to encourage you to be part of this little thought um, experiment With the creation, God entered into human history, into space and time, and he created us in order to start a huge adventure with us. So good. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? Because if you read the Old Testament, you know, a few pages later, the fall of man, everything went bad, everything went down, you know. Why would God do something like that? Interesting, Jesus was asked something very similar. He said, what is the most important commandment? What is, why are we here on earth? What is the reason? What is the most important thing? What is the most important commandment in the Bible, in the Torah, he was asked. And he didn't wait a second. He just, without hesitation, he answered this. He said, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. <clears throat> so it is basically all about this. Matthew 22. It is all about being in a relationship, being in a love relationship with our Creator. And out of this love relationship, we can love others and ourselves. This is the summary of the whole law and all the prophets. This is the reason why He was kneeling down and forming us out of the dust, breathing the breath of life into our nostrils so that we can stand up and be in a relationship with God and with each other. This is the story of our life. Let this sink in for a moment because this, is, this makes such a big difference. If we understand this, This statement, what Jesus was saying, what we are here, what we are all about, what he is all about, if we really know that and, and realize that, it changes everything. The famous Jewish rabbi, his name is Abraham Joshua Heschel, he says this, the entire history of humanity can be summarized as this, God is searching for the people. This is the summary of the whole history of mankind. God is searching for the people. He even 
um, wrote a book about that. It has the same title, God in Search for the People. This hits the heart of everything. This hits the heart of God. He is in search for people. God is searching for mankind. So he is walking after six days of the creation. He's walking through the garden. And he is not all about, you know, let's have a Sabbath and take rest. Yeah, he did that. He rested. But he said, I want to be by myself, you know, and uh, chill a little bit, you know, and uh, lock myself up. No, he said, I want to be with Adam and Eve, and I want to walk through the garden and see what we were doing, and now you can name all the animals. I want to be in a relationship with you. This is what our God is all about. And this is exactly what God wants to do. He's searching for the people. That's why he said, Adam, where are you? So the whole test Old Testament basically is that story. God in search for the people. Abraham, he wanted to bless Abraham and make unlimited, uncountable descendants so that he, Abraham, out of his descendants, we and all the nations will be blessed and in a relationship with God. Uh, Moses, who liberated the people out of slavery, right? He wanted to be with the people, so he had to liberate them, and then he was walking through the desert, and then it says God was living. He was living in a tent. Can you imagine? The God of the universe was camping in, a, in the tabernacle. It says that he is living in the, in the tent in the tabernacle. Can you imagine that God would live in a tent just to be with us? And it said about Moses, Moses was talking face to face with God just as a friend does. They were friends. That's what it's all about. So good. God is looking after humanity. And finally, obviously, Jesus, the initiator of this revolutionary love movement, later on called the church. I mean, he came as a human being, again, into the dust of this earth. And he gave up his, all li his whole life. He was serving the people. Eventually, nothing was too far. He laid down his life. He died on the cross and he rode again, uh, rose again just so that you and me can again be in this love relationship, in this loving relationship with our Creator. That's what it's all about. This is the story of our life. This is the story God wants to write with us together. And he's not done yet. So that means we are runners in that race. It says in the Bible, I want to I give you a little crash course of the Old Testament because we ran very fast uh, through it. If, if, if you don't read so much in the Old Testament um, and you are too shy to admit it right now, I give you a little crash course. What you can do, a little tip, you know, what you should do is read Hebrews 11 because this is the summary of the Old Testament. Their God spoke, uh, the, the writer of Hebrews spoke, speaks about all these heroes of faith, about uh, men and women who were before us and were doing amazing things for God. There was uh, all these people like Noah, Abraham, his wife, Sarah, Moses, the prophets, all these people. And, and the writer of Hebrews is painting us a picture and visualizing all these people to make a point. It's a very interesting point. He says uh, in Hebrews 12, starting verse 1, He says, just like spectators in the stadium cheer on the competition, these witnesses, these people of faith, are examples for our battles. So, we fix our eyes on Jesus. 
He showed us how to begin the race and reach the goal victoriously. So what he's doing is he's painting, the writer of Hebrew is painting us a picture of what it means to walk our walk of faith to run our race right now. He's saying all these people like Abraham and all these people, they are like spectators sitting in a stadium, right? And they are cheering us on. They actually know how to blow this thing. Oh, now it's getting better, huh? A little bit. So they are doing that. So interesting. He's painting us that picture that we are actually runners. We are called to be runners in a race. So there's Abraham. And Abraham, you know, I imagine this. There's the stadium, picture of a stadium. Because back in the days, they were, they were having um, competitions and they were observing uh, races. And people went into the stadium and were cheering their fastest runner or the gladiators or whatever, you know. They were cheering them on just like spectators and playing the vuvuzela, you know. And the same image the writer of Hebrews uses for us to paint a picture of what for us it means to run this race. So there's, for example, Abraham. Um, Abraham leaning over the rail in the stadium and saying, you know, run, you follower of Jesus, you can do it. I was sent to be a blessing but now you are the blessings for all the nations god gave me the promise but now you are carrying the promise and then there's his wife sarah you know who says you know sarah uh, to abraham sarah says you know this is a little bit you know too well behaved you know i am i was uh, over a hundred years old and so for that reason i can make it all the way to the top of the grandstand of this rail leaning over you know and making it all the way up to the VIP tribune here and say, you know, run! It's never too late! You can do it! Can you imagine like a Moses with his staff standing right next to Sarah in the stadium? His staff in the air and says, you know, we had obstacles, but now you run! And use your staff and go and face your problems. You can do it. A King David getting all kinds of crazy stuff, you know, getting rid of his shirt, you know, because he did that back in the Old Testament and says, you know what? You can do it. Go get your Goliath and fight him to death. Yeah, you have enemies. Yeah, you have obstacles. But you can do it. All the prophets like playing the vuvuzela, having a, 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 a bomb, uh, air bomb, you know, like a, a huge bomb in the stadium and playing all together with the vuvuzelas and saying, you can do it, now you go. But you know what? The tragic of everything is there comes a moment in Christianity in your walk with God where all this excitement is being lost. There's a moment in church history and basically in the history of every church, we're all in danger of that, where all the excitement is being lost. Where's that moment? There's a moment when the church is not catching fire again, but talking 
about the ashes of what was happening back in the days. There's a moment where we are switching the roles. Because this is the tragedy. There's a moment when we try to be the fans. And like, <laughs> doesn't really work, but we try it anyway. We are living in the rail of spectators. The very moment where we are saying, wow, Abraham, you did a great job. Your blessing. And we are switching roles. Can you imagine? This is not the picture the writer of Hebrew is painting. There's a moment where we are fans, just fans clapping. Clap, huh? Well, two hands. I'm a master of art, as you can see. <laughs> There's a moment where we are all in danger of saying, yeah, well done, Abraham. So good, you know, how you did that. So good. But Abraham basically says, you know what? This is not what I have in mind. Something different I have in mind. And we say, hey, great job, Abraham. He says, now you, you go. When we hear about Moses, wow, Moses, we hear a sermon, you know, we had a message, the Exodus, a message series about Moses um, splitting the Red Sea. And then uh, beforehand, the enemies, the slave drivers were against them. And Moses took a staff, you know, filled with faith. And then, dang, and the Red Sea divided into half. And the people of Israel walked into freedom. And we say, wow, how exciting is that, Moses? You liberated the people. But we don't realize that Moses says, now you go and liberate the people. It's your job now because I am dead for many thousands of years. You don't have to cheer me on anymore. I want to cheer you on. <laughs> And there is uh, a Rahab, for example. She's also mentioned in Hebrews 11. Rahab, a prostitute during the time where um, the city of Jericho, where the people of Israel had to conquer the city of Jericho. And Rahab was on the, on, on the people, on, on, on the side of the enemies. But then she realized, I have to switch sides. There's a woman hurt in life. There's a woman who is, her soul is oppressed. There's a woman, an abused body. And all of a sudden she realizes, you know what? There's still hope. There's still hope. And then when we hear the story, we say, well done, Rahab. Wow, you checked it. You, you realized, don't let your past determine your future. So good, Rahab. Wow, we are clapping our hands. But we don't realize that there is Rahab. Now you go for it, people. You don't let your past determine your future. I'm here to cheer you on. This is the picture of the stadium the he writer of Hebrew is taking. I love this picture and I hope this picture sinks in deep and really is like a branding in your soul and in your heart and in your mind because it's such a strong picture. And there is, uh, of course, Jesus himself. What a life. What a commitment. What a story. 
Jesus. Fighting for our freedom. But with what, with what kind of eyes do you look at Jesus? I want to ask you. Do you look at him with the eyes of, wow, Jesus, well done. You rose from the dead and you did all this stuff, you know. And on Sunday, I hear a message about you, Jesus, and I cheer you on. And on Monday, I read the Bible, amazing. And I read all about your stories. And on Tuesday, I forgot all about the message anyway. So I listened to another 13 podcasts about the stories of Jesus. And I am a fan of Jesus, you know. And I forget that Jesus already blew the vuvuzela at his very last words. Matthew 28, he is basically passing on the torch. So we can imagine this picture. All these heroes of faith and even Jesus is passing on the torch of this race and says, now you, it's up to you now. All authority, Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me says Jesus, but therefore you go and make disciples. It's you of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, surely I am with you always. I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is Matthew 28. This is what it's all about, being in a loving relationship with God, receiving the love and passing it on to other people, loving myself. But go and make disciples, says Jesus. He blew the vuvuzela and said, now it's your turn. I showed you how that works. I showed you how to perform miracles. I showed you how to cast out demons. I showed you how to forgive. I showed you everything, what you need to know. Now it's your turn. And I am with you. I live inside of you. We are called to run and not called to clap. I brought you a picture of a fan. <laughs> and even though I have to admit yesterday, it was pretty exciting to be a fan of Germany. I tell you, I almost died. <laughs> But there's a Sunday morning and then it's... It's still a little bit exciting, but in a week or two, maybe three weeks when G Germany won the Euro Cup, if they win, excitement is gone, you know, because I'm not called to be just a fan. I'm called to play. I'm called to run. I'm called to take this torch and run the race of life, connecting other people with God. So the whole church is about that thing. Jesus tried to gather around people with the same vision, what he was living out, so that they now would connect all the other people with the loving Father. That's what it's all about. <laughs> so, if you hear this, and then Monday morning comes again, Just try to zoom out again. Try to zoom out of your life where you're maybe somehow stuck in traffic and zoom out and realize while I'm sitting at the desk tomorrow morning, while I'm preparing my tools 
while I'm sitting in my car, while I'm in the S-Bahn on the way to work and think about, okay, it's Monday morning or thank God it's Friday or whatever, you know, my job is so boring. It's always the same, always the same. Then don't let yourself be fooled. If you are very silent, maybe, just maybe, you hear the voice of Moses with his staff standing up there and saying, you know what? 40 days of desert with the same people and every day the same food was also a little bit boring. But I talked with God just like a friend and I connected other people with my people, with the living God. It was so worth it. Maybe if you are a mother or a father and tomorrow morning or during the next week you're sitting at the playground with your kids and you are playing again, brought the same crackers, the same water bottle, reading out of the same three books for the 127th time, sharing the same stories of the little penguin who was walking on the ice or whatever, you know. And you think, oh, my world is so small. Maybe, just maybe, if you listen, you hear the whisper or maybe even the shout of Sarah who says, you know what, I was 100 years old and then I gave birth to a son. And I played in the sand because there was so much sand in the desert back then as well. Same sand as in your playground. And I played with that son. My world seemed to be so small. But now that I'm in heaven and I look back, I see, wow. From that son, generations and generations of blessing and finally the savior of the world came out. Don't underestimate what you're doing as a mother, as a father. Don't let yourself be fooled. <laughs> Maybe tomorrow when you go back to school or university and you hear the ring bell and you think, oh my goodness, same teacher, same professor, one more time. <laughs> And I don't even know what to do with my life. I'm just studying here. I have no idea what, what I have in mind. Don't let yourself be fooled because maybe, just maybe, if you listen very closely, you hear the sound of King David, who once was a little boy or in the student of life as well, who was a shepherd of sheep for his father. But he did stuff that formed his character and he was prepared for something huge, And now he's standing up there looking back and saying, you have no idea what my life went on, what happened. What a story. Don't let yourself be fooled, you student. Put your vision high. <laughs> There's so much more. And I hope and I wish that we understand that we are created in the image of God to have a personal relationship with our Creator and to be not be spectators and clap for what all the heroes of faith in the past did, but we are called to run and live out that adventure. I wish we all together would realize how much power there is if we catch that fire, if we catch that adventure. If we understood that, I believe our daily life would totally look different. Mine, at least, would. <laughs> I'm trying to learn that more and more. 
during the last couple of weeks and months. And just last week I had, um, uh, I met with a, with a very mature pastor's couple from the United States and um, we were praying for our waitress and uh, she received healing and then she said, hey, you know what? Um, the, the pastor's wife whom I had lunch with, she, she said, I had a picture for you from the very first beginning we were meeting. I saw that God was basically um, um, putting up the roof of your head, of your brain, <laughs> and uh, that he was doing like a brain surgery and he was renewing your mind and he was helping you to realize what you really are created for and what power you really have because Jesus is living inside of you. And I'm, I'm just beginning to understand what that means whenever I am in the S-Bahn grocery shopping or whatever. Just an hour ago, two hours ago, I was in the hotel, had a, an awesome meeting with our amazing translator, Marian. And afterwards, I was paying the bill and I was asking the, the waiter, hey, um, he was from, uh, from the Netherlands and said, hey, do you have back pain? And he said, yes, I have. And sometimes my feet hurt as well. And I said, hey, can I pray for you? I would love to pray for you. And he said, yeah, of course. So I prayed for him. And at the end, he said, wow, what an experience. This made my day. It's so easy, you know, if I realize with whom I'm connected. And if I realize I'm not here to cheer on another man of faith in the past or even now, I'm not here to cheer on a Todd White or a Leo Bigger or whatever, you know. Yeah, we are cheering us on. Yeah, we are supporting us. But I'm here to live an adventure and to share my own stories. Why don't we pray? Because I have a feeling that we have to realize that and we have to really be in tune with that because it will change everything on Monday morning. Thank you, Jesus, so much for your power. Thank you so much for these men and women of faith who are right now like spectators sitting there cheering us on and saying, now you go follower of Jesus, you run that race. And Jesus, here I am standing and I want to say, yes, pick me. I want to run for you. I want to make a difference. I want to live that adventure. Teach me what that means. Teach me and let me realize how much power I have in your name, Jesus. Let me realize what it means that you are with me all the time wherever I go. Matthew 28, what you said to the disciples, it counts for me as well. Teach me what that means and let me realize how, what it means to walk in faith and live out that adventure. Oh, why don't we stand up right now and why don't we worship our God? Not cheering Him on. Yes, we are doing that, but also realizing whom we are cheering on in order that we know that we are called into that adventure, right? Let's be in connection with the Creator, with our Father. He loves you so much. Why don't we lift up our hands and worship God? And while we are doing that, thinking about maybe Monday morning, Tuesday morning, thinking about all these people doing this. <laughs> I'm cheering you on, you go for it. <laughs> Just take this picture, take this picture home. And let's worship Jesus. <laughs> 